Howdy, Trent Walton. Hey, Andy, how are you? You do say howdy in Texas, don't you? Oh, yeah, I say it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are certain things that, uh, that I, and I can't speak for everyone, that I say um, that, that, that's probably pretty expected or stereotypical, but, but then there's some others that we don't. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a horse, I have a car, but I do say howdy. I don't say giddy up too much, but I have. So, But howdy is a daily thing for sure. We're not that cosmopolitan over here, to be honest. <laughs> Best we can manage is a watcher. What's that mean? You said watcher. What? Like what's up? Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah, oh, it's good. um, yeah, watcher. Or, or maybe you have it all right. And that's that's more of like a hi, how are you? What's going it's on? It's a sort of a more yeah. It's a hi, how are you? All right. Hmm, like a status check. Everything okay? Exactly. All right, I get it. All right. I suppose yeah. howdy. Where does howdy come from? Does it come from how's your day? Is that what your it comes guess from? is as good as mine? It just it comes from yeah. That's what we say. Howdy. What's all it is is hi. I know everything that I know about Texas from the advert in the 1970s for a Texan bar, which was <laughs> it was a chocolate covered toffee bar <laughs> that sure was a mighty chew. Yeah, and. Basically, it took the whole premise of the ad was that it took so long to eat this Texan bar that, well, basically what it was, it was this cowboy, this Texan cowboy who mm -hmm. was usually being about to be executed by Mexican bandits or Mexican police or something like that. Very stereotypically <laughs> Mexican. Bell. Yeah, keep going. And, uh, he would say things like, you wouldn't fire a man till he's finished his Texan bar, would you? And then, of course, it took so long to eat that the Mexicans fell asleep because that stereotypically Mexicans fall asleep just at the drop of a hat. Well, the, and the, the selling point there is that it's a big piece of candy. It's bigger than normal. And it, the, it, it prolonged the uh, execution. Basically, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah. So, and he managed to get away because it sure was a mighty chew. Yeah. The, in the, fact, the best, the tagline, it was the best worst tagline in the whole world, which was a man's got to chew what a man's got to chew. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a uh, terrible prospect there. But yeah, everything in Texas, it's like, if you live here, you learn to sort of scale back your, your food portions, whether it's a meal or candy or dessert. But if you're visiting, it can really mess you up because you sort of think like the portions you get at a restaurant or what, what you're supposed to, to finish. But it's like, you know, everything is as big as something else. So like we have chicken fried steak, which is basically just like hamburger. It's meat. It's not chicken, like beef. And it's fried like a chicken is fried and it's and i mean it's the size of like the cushion on a bar stool i mean you shouldn't finish that thing but some people do there are lots of things that you have that we don't which makes me sad because you have much <laughs> much much better barbecue than we do oh i'm yeah that's one thing i'd be sure of we sort of I, I, and i mean and if you're over here in the states it's every region has its own i appreciate all but i would you know, I'm very adamant that our beef brisket barbecue is the is the best you can get. So. Well, I've eaten barbecue in quite a few southern states now, um, and I quite like a Memphis barbecue. I do as well. Yeah, I can I can appreciate them all. Like I said, like I said I'm not too into the like uh, the the wars. People are really really passionate about who's who's right or wrong, who's better when it comes to comes to barbecue. But uh, yeah, the the for me the best bite of barbecue is the kind of like the smoky burnt end of a beef brisket that's been cooked probably in texas so. yeah i don't I'm, i don't like it too sloppy 
No, no. Just uh, yeah, and some of the best places it's 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 all about tending to the the pit and the smoke and probably salt and pepper and not too much else. You can get you can get sauces on there and some they slather it on all the time, but uh the best stuff I think is just uh fatty moist brisket with some with some a good char around the end. So we're going to get letters of complaint from your typical kind of English weekend barbecue warrior who <laughs> thinks he knows how to barbecue. You know, he thinks he knows how to put yeah. a couple of sausages and a bit of bacon or maybe a burger on a barbecue on a weekend. Yeah, well, it's possible. But holiday weekend, but it's it's not the same. It isn't the same, though. I will say I've met people who, who aren't <laughs> aren't from Texas, aren't even American, and they really know how to to do like barbecue so yeah yeah it is different than like grilling meats you know in 20 or 30 minutes it's like a five or a six hour job and it isn't even really something that i think you you can put on and and leave there uh and just come back in six hours and it's magically done it's like you know landing a plane in a way making sure that all the the temperature levels and the smoke amounts and everything is perfect the the entire journey <laughs> so so yeah you can take it really really seriously or uh or or you know for, if, if it's my philosophy i don't i don't want to spend i don't want to wake up at four or five in the morning to start barbecue so i'll just go buy some that's even better well the last time that we were actually physically together um i think we went on a hunt for good barbecue in austin and it was really hard to actually find anywhere because most people most places that were open had either an enormous line outside Mm-hmm. of people waiting to and when it's finished it's finished you know as soon as the place had run out of beef that was it it was closed yeah. in fact we went to one place and i think we waited for about 45 minutes and then it, we were just told listen you're not going to get fed today yeah there's a line and and there's so there's a there's decent barbecue and you can kind of get that anywhere but if you if you want like the top tier there's there's lines and they run out and we were at franklin barbecue and we drove remember we drove around and the line was out the door down the street, which is very, very common. It's a good, you know, one or two hour wait. And yeah, they, they, they'll come to the line. Employees will walk out and kind of count. They'll know how much food they have left and they'll walk down and they'll say, all right, if you're here, you're probably waiting for no reason. You should just go because we're going to run out of meat in the next like 20 or 30 minutes. So, uh, yeah, we left and we had brunch at Olivia, which is good Austin local food, kind of a farm to table restaurant. So it wasn't, it was probably a lot healthier than, uh, the barbecue, but uh, maybe not as legendary and uh, momentous. So, I can't think of a restaurant that you queue outside the door for two hours only to be told that you're not going to get anything to eat. I mean, it's like the Apple Store on iPhone Day. Yeah, except to me, better. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and there's secrets around it. We found. I mean, like, and that that is the be- like right now the most popular best and i and i and i it lives up to the hype for me but we've also found that you can call them and if you're going to order a lot something like an, an order of $80 or more you can call ahead and uh you can just go in and pick it up we knew this after this was after we hung out cuz i probably would have just gone for it uh but uh we've done 80 it 80 bucks is a lot of meat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's usually a group, a group that will do it though. Um, I, oh God, I'm going to confess that, uh, Dave and Reagan, my two coworkers and I, there was one day when we, the first time we figured out you could do this, I think we were, um, and maybe we didn't wait in line, but I remember spending somewhere between 60 to $80 on barbecue. Uh, and it was, <laughs> if you've ever bought fireworks, like, like here we have fireworks stands and you go and you get like little firecrackers and, and little rockets. 
Um, and I remember being a kid and you would go to buy fireworks at these stands, which the fireworks stands and the barbecue joints are all kind of in a trailer, uh, all kind of the same thing. And there's like a menu taped to the wall written in marker and you, and they'll ask you, what do you want? And you just start saying yes. And you realize you've spent way more than you should. Your entire allowance is blown. You have no lunch money. You got firecrackers and Reagan and I are picking up lunch. Dave's back recording a podcast at his house. And we's like, we'll go get lunch. And we, Got barbecue and we just kept agreeing to buy more and more. And we real, and we realized, you know, we're checking out and we, we bought $60, $70 worth of barbecue. Oh, we'll never eat this. Took it home and I think I had like two or three lunches. I just kept eating it and, uh, we, we never made it off. I was sitting on one of the couches in their living room and we just finished work that day. Kind of, I don't know if we got anything done, but uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Basically just turned into brisket afternoon. So. Did you get the meat sweats? Oh, I, I think I don't. I don't know. Maybe being native, you don't. I don't. I just, uh, yeah. I, I kind of go into a, like a lethargic state, uh, <laughs> which is kind of nice. <laughs> Maybe it's a meat high. I don't know. Yeah, I've had something similar. Um, yeah. When when I yeah, you eat a lot of barbecue. You eat a lot of meat. There's a place that everybody seems to pile into uh, when people come to South by Southwest. Salt. Um, that's the place i'm thinking of yeah salt lake um, and that's that's a good social like it's pretty good barbecue but it's even better atmosphere and so if you're from out of town it, it there's a lot more space and uh you're out you kind of leave the city and if you've been if you're downtown austin i think everybody's going to want to get you out of that because it's not necessarily representative of austin as a whole it's not at all representative of austin as a whole so to go a little bit south and to get on a country farm road and go get barbecue there is a good bet well like I say, I think you've got the best barbecue in Texas. We don't have any of that over here. We just have, at the moment, stupid burgers. This is the thing I've been ranting about on the podcast for about the last <laughs> six months. It's a stupid months, burger. It seems. Well, basically, it started, oh, it started a few months ago when I started noticing that the thing to have is a burger in a brioche bun, a bun made of brioche. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I have heard right? you talk about this. And... <laughs> I thought that it was just some kind of Ponzi Southern thing. And by Southern, I mean South of England rather than, you mm-hmm. know, proper Southern United <laughs> States. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure that in Birmingham, Alabama, they really do not have any brioche buns to put their burgers in anyway. Um, so it started off with that. And then it's just kind of snowballed out of control, really, because a few weeks ago, somebody sent me a link to uh, a burger in a donut. Mm-hmm. Literally a jam, half, not a jam donut, um, a ring donut cut in the middle, burger in there. Crazy thing. And then there was the Yorkshire pudding burger. No way. And last week it was the ultimate Christmas burger that somebody sent me a link to. And that contained a five bird roast venison and deep fried sprouts. Oh man. That was the burger that was it. Anyway, I thought that that was going to be the end. In fact, I thought, no, I'm not going to talk about burgers anymore because people are just going to, they're going to tune out. They're going to, no, not again. He's talking about burgers again. He's yeah, I'll, I'll spare you because I could go, I could do a whole, probably a whole hour on it. I have a, a deep appreciation for burgers 
And, well, I uh, love a good burger. But, no, and I, I mean, even down to like, I'll rate a burger based on the order they put the ingredients. Like if you, like sometimes you'll have an avo- avocado on a burger if you get kind of chefy and fancy. Well, if you put an avocado next to a tomato, the slippery, slidey nature of the burger, it loses its structural integrity. Anyways, I'm going to stop there. That gives you an no, idea. Of how no, no, this is fascinating. <laughs> well, yeah, no, when you're, I mean, like, if it, if it can hold together, you can't really eat it. So the order of the ingredients is, is very important because you could consider how it tastes and like what you bite into when. But then also no one thinks about like, you look like a jackass in a restaurant because this avocado is flying, like flying out of your burger. You can't hold it. You know, you can't put it down and bite it, you know, have a drink. You just, you're just standing there with this like mess in your hands. So, um, yeah, there's probably like two or three categories of burger for me. There's like the, the, the grease pit burger, which is just probably just a cheeseburger with nothing fancy, maybe onions, grilled onions, but like nothing out of the ordinary. But then like you sort of the chefy burgers, I mean, the things you were describing do seem kind of ridiculous, but then, oh, I don't know, different buns and different kinds of ingredients, buffalo, different kinds of cheeses or roasted peppers or anything like that. That's good. It's totally good, but you got to be careful about how you layer those ingredients on or your, your customers are going to look like jerks with uh, slippery burgers. I had a buffalo burger in Deadwood mm-hmm. when I was last there at um, Kevin Costner's restaurant. He has a restaurant in Deadwood. <laughs> That's legit. And it's that they have lots and lots of uh, Dances with Wolves you know, <laughs> film memorabilia in there and uniforms and shit like that. And you can have a buffalo burger. And I'm thinking there's an irony here. Yeah. yeah. No, my wife makes one with uh, like like this roasted poblanos and goat cheese kind of spread it's super good so well this week drew mcclellan sent me a link on twitter and it's it's not a burger wait for this it's a burger pizza this is the latest thing (laughs) because it's a pizza with 10 mini cheeseburgers baked into the crust it's a pizza hut deal right oh no yeah not they're going one step further than your usual stuffed crust And there's there's an article in The Guardian, and it says, Pizza Hut UK admits that the cheeseburger crust pizza is 288 calories per slice, or 2,888 calories for the whole thing, well above (laughs) an adult male's recommended daily calorie intake. Mm -hmm. I know know everything's bigger in Texas, but try topping that. No, I wouldn't want to. That seems like um, the sign of the apocalypse right there. Burgers and burgers and and pizza. Burgers and crusts. I don't know. It's you can't much. top that. You can't no. top that. There's no more room for toppings on, no, a, on a pizza like that. The, the worst thing I've seen growing up was Taco Bell would wrap like a taco in a taco in a taco. So it was like a tortilla, like it was like a tortilla with beans in between another tortilla shell, and like and, and there was a joke on Saturday Night Live commercial where they were wrapping it like in a like a waffle. <laughs> but this is all a joke. I mean, it sounds like Pizza Hut is getting actually close to the parody of the, like a double decker taco from the nineties. So Taco Bell never made it over here. Good. Yeah. It's terrible. The last time I had Taco Bell was 2002 and I got food poisoning. So those days are done. So. And we don't have Wendy's. That's fine too. No, I'm not, I'm not a big fast food. I'm not a big like health, health nut per se, but like I'll eat a burger, but it, it's not going to be some like junk burger that I don't know where it came from. If you know, if it's like a real, real food, I'll eat it. It's good. So, yeah, none of that chain stuff. I'm, I'm more trying to find, you know, like it's the same spirit of the barbecue. It's like any kind of food that you get that you know who's making it and where it's coming from. This is just better to eat. So, 
Well, you look like a lean kind of guy. You know, you're a lean-looking guy. It doesn't look like you indulge too much on the burger front. Well, you exercise so you can. <laughs> this is the whole purpose of it. So, yeah, yeah, earn it. And then What do you do? Oh, I like everything. Uh, I'll really, my favorite is swimming. I just feel like the most, like the lowest impact sort of thing. So, like the thing that you, you know, if you want to do for your whole life. Uh, and it's hot here, so you can swim like six to eight months out of the year easily. Uh, and then a little bit of weights and a little bit of running. So. I need to get back in the pool. I've let it go a little bit these last few months because I've been more in the gym. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was what kickstarted my whole new fitness thing was going in the pool every morning. Yeah. So well, variety I, is good too. I mean, I'm like, I like, I, and I mean, I like variety. I, I, I assume people kind of think maybe from day to day, but I, I like kind of getting into like month long phases of challenges and seeing how like heavy I can lift something or how quick I can swim X number of laps. And then you sort of kind of want to do something different. So, yeah. Well, I try not to bore people by tweeting too much about weights and things because i'm sure people just get fed up with it now it's like every poor old jeffrey zillman every time he used to go body training with or training with body by hannah i remember that yeah or maybe he probably still does it there was actually a bot i think was was um was is, is jeffrey at the dentist or in the gym i think was the uh, was the bot <laughs> i'm not making yeah. it up there was something similar to that yeah no it makes sense yeah daily routines i i, I love the daily routines if i don't exercise on a day I, i've planned to I'm i'm unhappy about it I've noticed you haven't been tweeting much lately. I mean, not as often as I seem to remember you doing in the past, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I think it comes and goes. Uh, you know, I, I, I do a really good job of separating kind of like the weekend time from the work time. And sometimes I'll tweet stuff that's sort of more relevant to the weekend. But, uh, you know, I remember before I, I had children, people were just like, we're well, not going to have any time and life's going to be terrible. And I've just sort of found more that like, I don't have as much time to, uh, I guess, um, kind of, oh, I don't know, like pick it up whenever I want, design or build something or tweet about or write about or whatever when I want. But I don't feel like I have less. I just have to be a little more purposeful about it. But yeah, yeah, like on the weekends, uh, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot, lot less for me just because I'm, I'm being either happily being lazy, uh, cause it's been a long week or, you know, the kids are, and, and, you know, you can only flood the internet with so many, uh, vines and instagrams of your children so i try to keep yeah your your vines of the kids dancing or i try to make them count down yeah. the hallway <laughs> are legendary i do yeah. love those i'll try and find someone put put a link in the show notes oh but- if you can i'll i'll do it that's my favorite like we talk about like the, the 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 thrill of creating something like and usually it's like a design or a layout or whatever you know you, you know you've, you've designed something and you and you're finished for the day and you go back and you look at it again because you're so thrilled with it you're just like wow I, that came from nowhere i just it happened I, I did something neat i felt the exact same way about that stupid video i was like this this was a fluke like the fact that the kids were dancing on on beat together at the exact same time that's hilarious oh, it was so, funny it was yeah, really yeah. funny but i've noticed a few people being quieter recently i'm wondering whether or not we're sort of we're falling out of love a little bit with twitter it's the uh, yeah i'm trying to find like the my place. There's two things that have changed about it that I, uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have a strong opinion. It's not like I have like a, like a valid critique, but just where, why I've been maybe quieter is because I don't know what to do with it as much. Uh, the thing I do most is, is honestly just favorite that, you know, now that Twitter, the UI sort of is, has for the past year, maybe like 
really, it really lets you know if somebody's favorited a tweet, it will tell you, it'll notify you. And it's kind of my way to sort of be like, Hey, I, I, I don't have anything to say about that, but I read it and like I'm with you or something. Uh, but the two things that change that, that sort of freak me out or that, that leave me a little confused is sort of the retweet and favoriting functionality from like what users see kind of is the same now. So in my main feed, it'll tell me if you favorited something or, or if you retweeted something. So they're kind of the same button. <laughs> I mean, there's like not much difference between those two buttons now because both of those buttons will, will change my feed. And then the other one is just the inline photos. Uh, I mean, I'm sort of guilty of it, but it, it's funny. Like I'll, I'll put a photo with a tweet just to kind of get like show what the tweet's about. If it's about something like a font, like why not show the font? And then it just sort of turns into like uh, this like weird Buzzfeedy like engagement driven thing. When when I kind of maybe liked more when all we had was words. I don't think we'll ever go back to that, and it's maybe fine or okay. But it's just been different. It's like I don't know exactly what to do. Um, do you not use a third-party client like? Toolbox? I like the main. I, I do. I go kind of switch back and forth, but I, I really like to sort of assess things at least, and, and I'm probably fifty-fifty, or maybe even a little more with the native stuff. I like to assess things because I feel like you get an intent for where the like the service or the business is headed based on like what there, you know. There's a lot you can read into fairly or unfairly when you're using those things. So I, yeah, I think a lot about that. I mean, I was very, for like a week, I was like, wait a minute, like favored and retweets the same to them now. What is that? What does it mean? <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, at the same time, like still my favorite, still what I use the most, you know, so. I don't really use anything else to be honest. Oh, d- d- a s- small digression. If you, if you can hear what sounds like somebody raining golf balls down on my, my ceiling. That's pretty much what's happening. We seem to be in the middle. It always happens when I start to record a podcast. We start to get some kind of hailstorm. Wow. So if you wonder what this sort of, uh, what this sort of strange rumbling in the background is, it's because it's now just thankfully, helpfully started to rain yeah. these big hailstones on my ceiling, on my skylights. Oh, yeah. Well, fortunately, at least I don't hear anything too at all. So hopefully you're okay over there with that hell. That's not, that's not fun. Your name comes up every once in a while on this podcast. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, yeah. Yeah, once in a while because I've called you my design hero. Yeah, you're you're too you're far too kind, but I do appreciate it. I like to butter your buns. Um, <laughs> but what I want to talk about today, if we can, I want to talk about some design stuff. But I really want to talk about how you work with Paravel, which mm-hmm. is your three person design shop. With you mentioned them before, Reagan Ray and Dave Rupert. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And I think people could learn a lot from you guys, and you know, I know that I, I do. So uh, maybe we can talk about that. Yeah. Do you know? I don't. I'll probably keep it short. But have you ever have I ever told you about how we found each other? Well, hold that thought. Yeah. And uh, if I may, can I just thank our first sponsor? Let's do that. It's Espresso from MacRabbit. And Espresso is the editor that I've used every day to write code for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much so often that I really honestly can't imagine using anything else to write my HTML and CSS. Because it's got all the tools I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. Actually, I still write a lot of CSS. And Espresso's got MacRabbit's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. 
It's got something called CodeSense, Code Folding, Smart Snippets, Drag and Drop Navigator, and all these things will help you write better code in less time. And I still find myself using Espresso's project-wide find and replace quite a lot, especially when I'm moving from what I think of as design code into production code. And it's got quick filtering and color highlighting that make searching the contents of files quick and easy too. Everybody's workflow is slightly different and Espresso includes a flexible workspace that should fit into yours. When you're ready to see how your work will look in a browser, Espresso includes a fantastic web preview feature with X-Ray so that you can see how the HTML and the CSS that you're writing affects the pages that you're building. And it can also visualize margin and padding and helps to quickly find and edit the relevant style for any element. Then when you're ready, sync and publish your work to a web server with Espresso's built-in tools. I've tried other text editors, but I always find myself coming back to Espresso and I can't imagine using anything else. Espresso is available from unfinished.bz slash espresso and it's only 75 of your barbecued American dollars. <laughs> but listeners of the show, they can get a fantastic 10% discount by using the coupon code unfinished at the checkout and that's espresso. And I want to thank the guys at Espresso for sponsoring the podcast uh, throughout this year and uh, hopefully into next year as well. So thanks, guys. What's your text editor of choice? Oh, it changes. Like, it's funny. It sort of changes from project to project. Uh, we work with different clients and the, the, you know, the stack changes and they'll say, it's sort of honestly just whatever's configured to fit whatever we're doing. So the path of least resistance. Uh, but I'm the same as you. I used Espresso and, and especially from like this, the straight CSS days, that was like, probably what got me from not knowing why honestly why anything was like what levers i was changing with css like how on earth that was changing what it was doing in the browser what it actually meant I, that's how i learned it by fiddling with that so how is your 5k imac because i'm about to order one <laughs> it's great i um i it's from just reading and doing things like email uh working in the browser perfect the the only problem, which really isn't a problem, I don't care too much, but pho Photoshop's a little weird because if you want to see something at actual size, you have to zoom in and uh, like everything becomes blurry. Even the text sort of renders blurry. Um, kind of using Sketch a little bit to get around that, but, but the <laughs> the way I get around it most is just uh, like uh, use Photoshop less. I still use it at the very very beginning in conjunction with sketching, but like. Uh, I think the cool thing about it and the reason why it doesn't bother me so much is it just sort of reinforces the idea that assessment of a web page, like, you know, if I'm looking at a Photoshop comp and it's blurry, then I'll be like, well, I won't really know how good this is or bad this is until I get it into the browser, which is the truth no matter how crisp the, the text looks in Photoshop. So it just sort of reinforces reality, I guess. So I haven't, I haven't really been bothered too much and it's been over a month. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with it. There's lots of there's lots of pixels if you like that sort of thing. Well, the accountant told me to spend some money before our financial year ends. <laughs> yeah, and I've been waiting on this one. I've had the other one, the other iMac for like four plus years, and, it, and it's totally fine. It's not like uh, I've been scraping by, but hey, I got it, and it's pretty loaded, so I'm all set. I'm going to have a spare 27-inch iMac if anybody out there in listener land wants to buy one from me. <laughs> plus one. I'll probably hand me down it to somebody, actually, but anyways, yeah.
so yeah, that's going to be my next my next purchase. But you know, being a small company, it's actually quite hard to spend money. Um, you know, I I sort of went through all of the things that I think the three of us need, and yeah. I could only get it to like four grand, four and a half grand tops. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm you know I, I could have spent an absolute fortune, but that would have just been extravagant in terms of the actual stuff that you know that I I, I wanted and needed. I mean, I know the iMac is probably the most expensive computer I've ever bought. Mm-hmm. Which, and that makes up a, you know, makes up over half of what I'm thinking about spending. But, you know, I just didn't need, didn't need to spend a lot of money. It's yeah, crazy. I'm the same. Yeah, I have a, the iMac and then a MacBook Air for traveling and meetings and stuff. And that's it. So let's talk about some business stuff. Cause I don't know whether you've heard. I mean, it hasn't been this way for a long time, but this is supposed to be a podcast about business. No, oh, I can. Yeah. I figured it might be. So, uh, there were some hints. Most people just think that it's about burgers now. Burger podcast. But no, we do talk about business stuff every now and again. And it's quite funny, actually. I was listening to Jeffrey Zelman's big web show this week. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch it. I didn't catch it this week, though. I don't, I kind of dip in and out. You know, if, if there's a guest that I think, oh, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Same here. Yeah, there's that, a lot of shows. So yeah. Um, and if it's going to be something that's really technical, then I tend to kind of give it a miss. But this one was, this week was Andy Budd. Mm-hmm. who uh, I think we both know well. Yeah. I put a link in the show notes, but in the latter half of their conversation, they were talking about how Clear Left, which is the studio that Andy runs, they they don't bill on the basis of deliverables anymore. You know, they don't sell a website um, in, in the same way that, you know, I, th- I think a lot of other people will do. You know, somebody comes along and says, you know, how much for a website? Mm-hmm. Um, what they do, as he was explaining, was that they charge for units of time, um, possibly, you know, a, a quantity of maybe one or two week sprints. Um, and they base all of their scheduling and all of their billing around the sprints. So they say to somebody, well, you know, over the course of, you know, let's say a six to nine month project, this is what we think we can accomplish. And these are the sprints that, that we think you're going to need to get there which I thought was quite an interesting approach. Um, and it threw up a few questions that I thought we might talk about today. Sure. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, the first thing is, right, we've, we've all been writing over the last few years about a more integrated design and development workflow. Um, you know, be that designing in a browser or designers writing code or, you know, maybe you know, working very closely with a front-end developer because I'm terrible at writing code now. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It's the game has changed completely. But anyway, this whole idea of integrating what we do in a much more kind of uh, agile way, for want of a better word, so we're not waterfalling it. You know, we're not designing and then developing and uh, you know doing it all in that kind of structured way. Everything's kind of much more kind of mixed up together. Does that make? actually estimating and working out what we're supposed to charge and then charging for it more difficult. I mean, for example, you know, in, a, in a waterfall process, we used to, you know, we, it was easy to work out and explain and then invoice for what individual people do. You know, you'd have so many days of design, so many days of development, um, and an integrated approach just makes that so much harder. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also worth noting too, that with this integrated approach for most just the the process, but also the scope of sites 
has exponentially grown. So you think about um, websites, by and large, in a long time ago, were brochure sites. So they were they're fairly straightforward, and they meant a lot less to the organization. You know, now most of our clients, at least, and this is just based on our recent experience, like the website is probably the product. It's the thing that makes the money. So there's a lot more people involved and there's a lot more um, like prototypes and explore, exploration necessary to figure out where you're going. So it makes everything muddier and, and blurrier in that sense. Uh, but that's, I think, what the, what clients need if they're in that situation. Uh, you know, like, and I think it's all kind of related to each situation. If we had a client that was a small startup type of a business, you know, a startup not necessarily being like something funded with investment money, but just like, hey, I want to start a restaurant or I want to open a shop. Um, you know, they probably really do though need like a fixed cost or a project cost, even if it's phased out or however we could do it. Uh, you know, that's necessary. But by and large, I mean, yeah, most of our clients, it's the website is the product or it's so inter intertwined with the product that like the stakes are still really, really, really high. So it isn't like, let's get a website up and sort of like put up the flag and tell people we're open for business. This is how users react to it and all these other metrics that it's, it's measured on and all this kind of stuff. So the stakes being higher, it just sort of started to make sense. And we're very similar to ClearLeft, I would imagine, but that we just, uh, you know, like it's, it sort of mirrors what the client's doing. If they do two week sprints or months long sprints, we sort of bill and work into those cycles. Uh, and we sort of in, in a way kind of become, uh, employees slash consultants somewhere in the middle or it kind of goes back and forth depending upon the day. But yeah, we, we sort of book, book ourselves for a month is kind of the, the standard thing. And usually it comes in, in chunks of like three or six months. So, uh, which I like more because the complexity has grown, it takes longer to do anything. And I mean, there's still times when it's like three or six months and you're like, wow, I used to, the, the beginning of, the days, the early days of Paravel, we'd, we'd launch these little websites like one week, you know, just to keep, to pay the bills and we'd just work really, really hard and really, really fast. And now with these larger, more complex situations, they're not even websites. I just called them situations because that's what they are. But, uh, as things have gotten more complicated, yeah, we just sort of, uh, we need more time and usually more than anything, the client needs more time to figure out what exactly we should be doing. I mean, we, we work in a similar way. Um, our client base hasn't transitioned in the way that yours has. Um, in fact, we still do, um, you know, we, we, we still make websites for people, you know, mm -hmm. we still do, um, often what you might consider brochure where, um, and I actually have no problem with that. Um, I do sometimes think that we need to remember that actually that's what some businesses need. You know, yeah. they need, they need something that communicates what they do in a very good way, um, to their potential customers. And I look at it in the same way as I might think about, um, you know, an ad campaign or I might think about, you know, magazine or PR or marketing or whatever that the stuff may be. And I think of it all in that kind of way. And I know a lot of people look down on that kind of work. You know, they, they think that product design is, is the key. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I, I take a lot of pride in, in actually helping small businesses often just communicate something better because I, I, I don't dislike that. Yeah, we're, and I mean, we get this weird deal where we, we go really hard in one direction one year and the next year we're like, oh man, I miss, you know, I want to, I want to build something large. I want to take my time and have a good year. And then some days we'll be like, wow, this is big. This takes forever. Things move a little bit slower than we, we we're in the mood for, uh, you know, oh, I just like to do just something very, very straightforward and simple. So it's nice that there is a, uh, you know, the, the the variety is out there, but I agree. I think there's definitely nothing wrong with a small, straightforward site that clearly explains what somebody's trying to do, what they're trying to offer, what they're all about, or what their hours are, what their location is. Because you know, there's it's still <laughs> it's still a huge problem that even with uh, like you know, tools to help build websites coming along, like all of this stuff, they're great. But they still, there's certain things that it may or may not solve, dependent upon the person who's driving those tools. So yeah, I think, uh, the, I mean, the brochure sites. I mean, some of our our most and, and and maybe they're not by like exactly a brochure site, but some of my favorite stuff over the past couple of years has been that like I run a business, I need you to help me with the website uh, because it's so similar to how we are. So there's already a commonality, like Mark Simonson's site. You know, he the type designer, Proxima Nova, Bookmania, and all this, this wonderful stuff. And he just needed a site for his fonts. And he, he, um, you know, getting to know that person and, and trying to amplify that person versus like the, the, the mass, it, it's exciting, but also just the, the, the multifaceted development of like a product or a product site. It's a different thing. So it's not, you know, each or each, each can be really fun, but I do have an appreciation as well for the smaller stuff because it is, it's, just like Paravel, it's easy to understand and empathize with the situation. How did you guys get together? <laughs> yeah, so we we didn't really like make a like find each other or seek each other out. We were just always sort of around e- each other. So, like you know, a lot of companies, um, I think that maybe happens at the core. Like, oh, I like here's some. I, oh, there's this person I know, and they do this. Well. Okay, let's team up. And, uh, we had known each other since high school. We didn't all go to the same school, but we were all in the same circles and we knew of each other and like through our teenage years. And, um, so we're in different sit. Dave and Reagan actually roomed together. They were roommates in college. Uh, but, but as soon as college was done, I, I'm a year, I think one year older. I don't know if that means I was a year ahead of them in school, but I, I was out of, I got out of university, got, got, got a college, moved to Austin. And, um, Dave had been building websites since the nineties. So Dave has been building, you know, all kind of always been building websites. His first was like with the dial up connection AOL and he's doing pretty intensive stuff from the very beginning. So I knew of him as like my friend Dave who wrapped my house with toilet paper in high school. But he's also this guy who does this thing with computers. And so I'm out of college and uh, I, I wanted to learn. Like, teach me how to build a website. So I paid him $80. The week he graduated, he was at, one week later, he was headed to Japan with this program where he would teach um, English in Japan, live, live in Japan for three years. But right before he left, I paid him $80 to teach me HTML, which basically amounted to Dreamweaver and iFrames. 
uh, and fireworks. And we just kind of got going and I'd already been doing graphics and stuff, but I wanted to learn like, you know, and it's, it's all that scrappy stuff. Like how do you register a domain? What's a database? Um, you know, like, and I said, iframes, that should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> uh, and he left and, um, Instant Messenger, we were friends on Instant Messenger, and for three years, our kind of, like, relationship had, had evolved from, like, a friendship, and we're both still friends with Reagan at this time, but we weren't really working together yet, but, uh, we, we, you know, Dave's always been ahead of me, uh, from a code perspective, for sure, and, but it was a nice, from, I, I was probably like a parasite to him, he's in Japan, and I'm like, you just woke up, I've been up all night, but hey, could you, could you look at this and tell me what's broken? But it, it kind of also was a show and tell thing where we developed this kind of interesting relationship of how to how to build websites and how to be enthusiastic about it. And it it was but clearly both like the passion that we had. And Reagan had uh, got in design. He has an advertising degree, and he got out and was doing kind of like marketing design, not specifically web. And it's still really early days of web. So um, eventually, Dave came back and worked with Reagan. Like I think like at a real estate development company, and they were doing websites for like the neighborhoods or the properties or whatever you'd call it. And I was working in Houston building websites. It was like eight websites for eight small companies at a larger company. And it was just when that was done, I knew my like why keep me around full time. So I was worried about that. And Dave and Reagan, I don't think they had a, a wonderful time doing these real estate sites. I think that their their future was uncertain. And um, my background is my dad. He uh, he's retired now, but he started a company with two two people. <laughs> so so I was like, well, that worked out for him. I'm gonna do that. So uh, I heard some stories of Dave and Reagan, kind of just the stress of and anxiety of not really knowing where they're gonna be. They kind of moved the real estate company would move them around, so they weren't really like living at home necessarily. They were sort of li- living where the development was happening. And finally, we just decided, you know, we're going to, the, the initial commitment was that we were going to bet on each other. Uh, you know, we didn't really, it wasn't, there was no like, how good are you at this and how good am I at that? It was like, no, the three of us are going to be in control of our own destinies at all costs. We're going to pick the kind of work we want and do whatever we want and set our own path. And that sounds romantic and amazing and wonderful. And it wasn't at the beginning because we had to make money. It was horrible. Uh, you know, like I, I, I have a lot, my, I'm like 90 to a hundred percent gray hair on my head. And before, before Paravel, like I probably wasn't that much. Uh, and maybe that's just natural aging, but you could feel every month I would wake up and I would say, I've got to sell X amount of money to make us, to pay our bills. We each needed, you know, we each needed to make X, like whatever it was, a very modest salary, something like somewhere around $30,000 or maybe a little more, a little less. And, uh, we weren't, we weren't really doing that all the time. You know, it was, it was very much like call everybody, you know, um, Hey, I heard you might need a website. Like, how, what can, can I please do this for you? And we'd all, you know, it was just terrible. Um, but like that didn't have, that wasn't like that forever. And we sort of our we kind of got our footing and things were kind of stable. We were working very, very hard to keep things going. But, uh, as we started to get our footing, we realized, okay, like, Things aren't dire and the, that sense of achievement really wasn't much about like the quality of the work we were doing though. With, I think we were doing really good by our clients, but it was just this thing of like, Oh wow, we've committed to each other. We've had tons of fights about 
like the design process and me doing things the wrong way or just whatever us disagreeing. And it turned into this thing where we realized like the more we invest in each other, that's probably where our value is going to be. Um, just the relationships, obviously the, the, at the end of the day, the quality of the code and projects and how we run them and how good they are is very important. But we really kind of found this thing that we were like, wow, we're going to continue to, like almost it's like a, in a way being married we're going to make sure that we 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 trust and rely on each other and every fight we have is an investment and the next time we won't have that the same way if we really deal with these issues like transparently so um the, the only other change i think is is we kind of got together and maybe to where how you know paravel now was just that we stopped doing um this 100% full grind client work like 24-7, anything we could do, all of our time is like trying to make money just a little bit. And, you know, our, our rates were pretty low and it was just, too, and it was still like anybody who we could find, probably family friends to hire us. Uh, maybe we were kind of a radius out there. But anyways, we, we decided we start doing more experimental stuff. Um, and we thought, you know, the things that we want to be doing, we have to show somebody that we're capable of doing that or we'll never get hired to do those things. So if we don't put it out there, we'll be doing the same type of work for the same type of people forever and we're never going to make any more progress. And so we did that and and some of the the stuff we had done were, you know, kind of some code plugins, but the biggest thing and it actually now that I'm talking about it, it's funny as hell because it relates directly to you was the many faces of. And you were writing uh, the CSS3 book and you were like, can I put you in this? You called me on the phone, which no one ever does. Yeah, I remember that conversation. And I shit myself because this, <laughs> this was really the first – this is – this. If you, if, you, if you talk about the first time we started to get work uh, was probably due to many faces of it. Like a couple of instances, and this is definitely one. I mean, and, and, and if anything, like the amount of encouragement for us, we you know, we had gone from doing like – I mean, just – very, very like rough client work. Great clients, but we're, we're inexperienced. They're inexperienced. The web's new, whatever. Just the total grind, the cheapest we can possibly do it, losing money every time because we want to make it good and we don't want anybody to see that we've done like, take, you know, cut any corners and stuff. And so that was like a really, for us, like a really wonderful time. Like we sort of took this bet on like, we're going to just put ourselves out there and, and, and do stuff kind of for, for our own side projects. And, uh, damn, man, this web community really came, th- came through for us, you know, just one of the interesting things. I mean, you, you mentioned the book, but mm-hmm. there's been plenty of other things in the past where I know that we have got work, maybe not directly, but certainly indirectly from stuff that we or I put out in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, certainly recently, I've been feeling this. You know, you look at my blog and you look at the frequency that I post anything. Um, and you look at the frequency or even the lower frequency of the stuff that actually, you know, is what I would consider worth reading these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so much lower than, you know, what I used to do. Um, and I, you know, sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes you think, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing enough. Um, mm-hmm. in terms of this kind of extracurricular activity. So we could talk all day about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because, you know, actually when, you know, when you're running a business and you're looking at the bottom line and you're looking at the schedule and you're thinking as we've done over the last couple of weeks, you know, we, we, we had our kind of coming up to the end of year meeting with the accountant and, you know, discussing what we're going to do next year. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we've committed to working with a developer for one week a month, you know, which is a commitment for us. Um, and, you know, you're working out that, you know, maybe we need to be billing £4,000 a week in, mm-hmm. in order to kind of, you know, break even then. And you think, wow, and it's very, very easy to get onto that kind of client working treadmill and actually not do the the stuff. And I'm not talking about just kind of frivolous blogging, but what I think is really important is taking time out, as you mentioned, to do something which is investing in yourself in the future. And I, I did this years ago. You know, I mm-hmm. would take time out because we, we weren't working, you know, day in, day out. I would take time out to learn something and write about it and, you know, talk about my experiences. And sometimes that would be blog posts and sometimes it would end up being crazy conference talks about how we could learn from comic book layouts, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the kind of stuff that I think is so, so important that we remember that we've got to keep doing. Otherwise it, it, it can so easily become, um, I wouldn't say mundane, but I'd certainly say routine. Yeah, it's hard to, to keep going. One thing I've and, – and what makes it maybe even more difficult uh, is there's – as time goes on, the, you know, the internet makes kind of the world a small place. And as time goes on, there's a, there's more. There's more people contributing, which is a very good thing. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of us, myself included, you look at that and you say, well, the, this is covered. Like somebody's doing a really great job of, uh, you know, whatever small subtopic of the web that they're focused on. You can always contribute and, and join in and all that. But yeah, I always try to just find things that uh, are sort of uncharted ter- territory. And the more of that, the the easier all that becomes because mm-hmm. then your, your just natural interests drag you in that direction. But it, it, yeah, it's, and we've been so spoiled the past like five years because every year, the web has changed. I mean, maybe this has been like that always, but for me, it just has felt, at least from more of a design perspective, like CSS got crazy, like amazing. And then web fonts hit and then responsive web design hit. And, you know, we're, we're sort of settling into, uh, I mean, the, all these things have been so transformative. I don't, that's it's probably and probably shouldn't happen every year where it completely, completely changes. Sure. There's, there's tons of changes now with tooling and, and being more efficient and prototyping and workflows. And, and it's still very, very exciting, but it's like, you got to find, you kind of got to find a piece of that and, and, and get going in some, in some direction. And I think, yeah, recently for me, it's definitely been like kind of working with, like we use a lot of static site builders and Jekyll and things generators. And, you know, that's been good. Uh, but I mean, now it's kind of been really almost most of the stuff that I do is, is trying to maintain the, uh, the control that I want over like the build and design of a layout, probably specifically just like working with media queries and maybe things like Flexbox to really get a page to do what I want. And so that's usually where the side projects kind of come back is all, you know, be like, I really need to like find a way to make sure that I still have it in me to control a page to the extent that I want to be able to. But you, you always seem to me to be somebody that was interested in much more than implementation. And mm-hmm. I've been talking about this. I've, I've got a conference talk, which there's video of it out there anyway, but I've been talking <laughs> about this quite a lot recently. I think that w- as an industry, we've got very, very, very focused on tools and process. Um, and along the way, and people say, ah, but it's because the web's matured that everything now has to look exactly the bloody same. 
Um, you know, well, and I think a lot of it's got to do with product design too, but I look at your work in the same way as I look at somebody like Jason Santamaria or, uh, Dan Maul, who I have enormous Mm -hmm. respect for Dan Maul. Um, somebody that comes from a background, which is much more to do with, um, you know, more traditional design, possibly advertising, um, certainly agency work. Um, and I look at yours and their work and I think that's the kind of stuff which has uh, soul in it. And I use this word very carefully in the conference talk that I choose. So <laughs> choose my yeah. words very carefully because you don't want to say, you know, listen, design's just terrible because it isn't. Actually, you know, the design of a lot of people's work right now is, you know, of a very high standard. But mm-hmm. the art direction side of it is lacking and the conceptual side is often lacking so much. And I think that that's what I've always liked about your work is that, you know, there was always more of an idea there, not just the actual implementation of, you know, of of a good layout or good type or, you know, nice color scheme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and thanks by the way, I'm deaf. I'm not quite, I studied psychology in college and I've never had any formal design training. So that's, I love that. Those two guys are amazing, Jason and Dan. But uh, there's something that happens with layout and design for me, and it's n- I've never been able to – like, I think this is what motivates me to continue to sort of make sure that, like, you know, if we're – okay, so we're going – you know, sites are getting dynamic and we're using – everything's being more complicated. Everything's on GitHub and I'm, I'm in terminal. Fine, 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 fine. Like, I'll do whatever it takes and I need to make sure that I'm capable – of getting things up and running and, and making changes and committing changes and all that. But it's for me all for the sake of like, it's maybe not I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing out modules and building all this stuff. Sometimes I am. Um, sometimes people are holding my hand, probably Dave, but more than anything, I need to, not, to have control of the layout. And it isn't necessarily like a page, but I, I need to be able to, to like, tweak and finesse how everything works together and if i can't then i i feel lost and I, and so like yeah i mean there's you know there's so much about efficiency and things are are are, are better like we're quicker and we can pull we can we can we, I mean, we can build a site in seconds we just you know download npm install xyz and get some tasks going and break it and then have a you know a real developer help you and then you're fixed and then you have a site it's awesome but there's this thing of like, you know, Frank Camaro has the, I think it's a do lectures talk, but it's like he talks about doing things the long, hard, stupid way. And there are times when I believe fully that that is necessary. And, and I guess like whatever I might perceive, I think what you would call soul or, or like I, I, I see that. And, and for me, I think it's like what I would call finished. Like when I felt like there's a human being who has, we, we can automate as much as we want. We can automate a grid. We can use like SAS to build all this stuff and we can just get, get really, really clever. And that's good. But I want to, okay, once that's happened, I want to go back through and triple check. And it's maybe good or bad, but I want to, if, if I, if the site's important, and as I was saying at the beginning, you know, sites now are, they're more important. And, and, you know, we have to be fast. We have to release stuff, all this. But, um, I want to have time to just sit there and make sure that, like, everything that was automated, like, it's doing exactly what I wanted. I mean, I, I've worked with clients and we've worked on a site for a year and I've come back and realized, oh, whoa, we automated the grid and now that, like, the space between columns, 
And whether the grid's like a formal grid system or just like a sidebar next to a, a main piece of content, the, 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 something happened, somebody changed something in the generator, and now the, the, the columns are too close. And it's just these very tiny details that we can lose sight of. And to me, that's, that's the most important thing. And so really a lot of the experimentation and anything I've continued to do is just to make sure I still have an understanding of what's going on. Because, uh, you know, I'm probably a design, I'm definitely actually a, a, more of a designer than a developer now. I think there was a time when I probably was maybe would have even called myself like 50-50 design and code. But, uh, but uh, the one thing that I don't think I will ever be able to like accept, it would be, you know, not being able to understand and to control to some extent to finesse and tweak what we have going. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to, to get, Good, but I mean, the, and I use SAS every, every day, and I love it. But you can't like SAS away design problems. You can't automate that stuff. It doesn't work, um, you know. And I've been told that's wrong, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's how. I, okay, let's just get really emotional. That's how I feel about it. I, I well, still want to know. That's the most important thing. I think is. Yeah. I think it's it's remembering this, remembering this feeling. Um, yeah. We are totally way off topic. Oh, it's still, it's all related though. I mean, this gets down to the, the business side of things for me as well, though. It's we like, could talk about this literally all day. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. Let me yeah. do another sponsor and then we'll come back and talk about some businessy stuff. Sure. Cause our next sponsor is Perch, the little CMS. And I've been talking a lot about Perch Runway lately. That's been their later, latest, um, bigger brother. Uh, CMS. But today I want to tell you about Perch itself because we know that it's a great content management system to use on new projects, but it's also really, really good at breathing life into old ones. And in fact, this is something that we've done exactly this week with a client. Something that Perch does differently from everything else is that it can be easily retrofitted into existing sites. So we all have those small static sites kicking around that we need to keep updated. And they might be sites for smaller clients or personal side projects or maybe even voluntary sites that we've done for friends and family. And these can be a real pain to update and it always takes longer than it should to get the file set up. Make sure you're working on the latest version, you still have the right hosting account details and all the rest. It would be much easier if you could just log in and make the changes with a CMS. And Perch is great for small projects like those because you can just drop editable regions into your pages and they show up automatically inside Perch ready for you to start adding the content. You don't have to worry about turning your pages into themes or anything like that. You just add these regions to your existing static pages and start editing. It's like magic. There's also a great business opportunity for web designers because the new year is a perfect time to get back in touch with those old crusty clients and talk to them about adding a CMS to their site. And it would help them keep their content up to date and enable them to get full value out of an existing web presence. And if they're already running Perch and their site's growing, you could talk to them about upgrading to Perch Runway too. Now, Perch is just 50 of our English pounds plus the value-added tax, you know, per website, and there's no ongoing costs. Now, you know, I love Perch, and I know you will too, so to find out more, go to unfinished.bz slash grab a perch, and then they'll know we've sent you. 
Uh, I do. I really love Perch. It's my favourite little CMS. We were talking about the business side of things. Um, how do you work with billing at Paravel now? Do you invoice for your time and Reagan's time and Dave's time on the day that you work? So maybe, you know, one day it might just be you, so it's one man's fee, or another day it might be two or three of you and two or three fees. How does it work with you? The way we are, and it's, you know, we're, 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 we're the, the three of us and there is no more. If there is ever more, uh, it, it would be like, Hey, here's a friend or here's another company you should hire. We'll let you guys work out those details. So we don't get involved in any of that stuff. So it's, it's all three of us all the time. I mean, if we're all three working, that's good. Um, if we're, if it's not all three of us, it's, it's the same. Um, though I would say that that most of the time the way we work is that we're all over each other's business. So like there's very, I mean, there's very, very rarely are all three of us not working on something. And, uh, you know, it usually takes two people to be chiseling on something. And so maybe, and I kind of migrate back and forth between the two, uh, between Dave and Reagan. And obviously now with the way, you know, working styles and processes changed, it's really just, the three of us st- standing around a prototype arguing, um, which is, I guess we get paid, <laughs> paid to do, but, uh, and we, we, the billing just works as the cycle works. So if it's like, a, you know, somebody needs us for like a couple of days and they just want us to look at something and maybe do like a performance audit or something like that, uh, some sort of a consulting deal, we'll just bill whenever that, that makes sense. So we'll just bill for those few days. Um, and then if it's like a two week or like I was saying earlier, like the, the month or three months or six months, we usually just bill monthly. Um, especially if it's a client we've worked with before we, you know, the, the upfront stuff sort of becomes less relevant because you just sort of have like an ongoing relationship. And I mean, in the old days, it used to be like we'd have a three phase project with the deliverables of the website clearly defined and we do like a third up front and then a, mi- a middle payment and a final payment and or something along those lines it's always kind of changing but now yeah it's sort of like you got us in full force for a month or two and or three or six or whatever it is and uh we uh we work and we bill monthly that way um so you know yeah i mean and, and it's we we kind of used to worry that you know we wouldn't be like fully utilized for like the full day but <laughs> That's never that we, I mean, we, we, what we normally do is that we just sort of get latched onto a project and it's kind of like make your own way. And so as much, as much change as you want to see happen at, at a company or as much as you want to take on, you can take on. And so I've never run out of stuff with to do. You know, we've been doing this kind of style for about two, two and a half years and I'm busy, as busy as I could be. So it seems to work out for us and uh, for the client. We feel like it's like fair and it's, it's not, there's not a lot of minutia and, and the, the, the billing kind of relationship kind of back to the idea of us sort of being like a consultant contractor slash quasi employee, not in a formal sense, but uh, you know, we, we do sort of like bolt on to teams. Mm. I mean, it's, I was thinking when I was listening to Andy Budd on uh, Jeffrey's podcast because they're a big company now, Clear Left. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's, I can't remember exactly how many people, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 30 of them or more. Yeah. Um, and obviously in a situation like that, it comes down to, I suppose, like any big company or, you know, whether it's an accounting company or a, whatever it might be, a consultant, it comes down to billable hours and, I would find that incredibly difficult to manage because I'm the world's worst multitasker for one thing. Mm-hmm. And 
to having to work out who's working on something at a certain time and, you know, how much to bill for that um, would be a logistical nightmare for us. So that's why we do a similar thing, I think, to you in that we try when possible to have what we'll call a studio rate, mm-hmm. which basically involves, you know, everybody, um, all three of us basically working on that one project at one time. Um, and what we'll actually do is we'll include expenses in that rate as well. So, mm-hmm. and that, I think that makes it easier for the client. It makes it easier for us because we don't have to bill for every kind of line item. And well, you know, if we have to buy a typeface, then it's included. You know, if we have to get on a train, you know, go see a client, it's included. We don't bill, uh, you know, for every little individual thing. Yeah, and it's, it, and if there's a, if there's a recurring cost for, let's say, a type kit account or some other kind of license, we'll make sure that that gets bought by the client in their name and then they can just pick up the billing on that, you know, ongoing. Um, yeah, we're the same way. And it's more, the rate is more than our, you know, traditional kind of weekly rate, but it works out better value overall. And that's what we try to sell people on. I mean, not, it doesn't always work. Um, but if we can bill that, let's say four thousand pound a week, which is what mm-hmm. that studio rate is, then you know we're, we're you know we're making money, we're covering our costs, and it's just like one kind of easy thing for the client. And that's how we like to try to work it, because I think any other way just becomes because then you've got to say to somebody, well, I think that that's going to be you know ten days uh, of a designer working on something, and you know five days of a developer working on something, and there's some kind of strange overlap where on day six. You know, you've got your you're billing twice as much or something, you know, and it just mm-hmm. becomes wow, it's way too complicated. Yeah, and imagine if you go down that route, you, you do have you you would need somebody to kind of manage the gathering of that information and the ex- explanation or communication of that to the client. So, yeah, I, and for us, I mean, being this about the same size at three people, it's it's easy to for just. You know, if it's a client that's that's sort of small or newer, and it, the site is relatively small, the exact same way. It's like I own you register your domain, you register your Typekit account. We don't, you know, this is this will be ongoing stuff for you. It doesn't have anything to do with us. You can, you know, so we've you know we've never and, and I could see how it'd be um, tempting to want to be like, yeah, we'll do all this and you know we'll maintain it for we'll maintain I'll maintain your Typekit account for a nominal fee. It's like like whatever, like that's a joke. It's like sign up and let them say like pay whatever it actually costs and leave it leave it be you know that that you can get really stressed out trying to build build all that that kind of stuff in so yeah we used to to even do things like i mean this is going back donkey's years now (laughs) we would arrange people's hosting for them and you know build them on an annual basis Mm-hmm. And you'd be making just the minutest amount of actual profit. Yeah. You know, if you had lots of small clients and you were billing a reasonable amount of hosting every month, um, yeah, in terms of cash flow, it was, you know, sometimes useful. But in terms of the actual profitability, you know, you could probably go out for a nice meal with the amount of money that you made on hosting in a year. Right. No, that's what I was about to say. If you want to get into some of the dumber, dumber stuff I've decided to do is we early on, we would host, we had like the D, the DV media temple account and we charged $22 like a month or 12. I, I can't remember. It was something ridiculous. 
And uh, just like it barely paid for the time it took to like generate the invoices and send them like every yeah. year, it was a ridiculous thing. And we, uh, I mean, it was just doing. It. We had all these schemes, like everything, every little thing we could do, we tried it, and none of it worked out. Um, but uh, yeah, we did the exact same deal, and it, and we still have sites on that. And like, I don't even like. I think I pay for the, the DVs and then don't even invoice because it's like. What's the use? Well, I used <laughs> to think, I honestly used to think, well, at least it's a way in which if you haven't spoken to a client in a year that, you know, kind of maintain some contact with them. And then I just woke up one morning and thought, you are a complete moron. Because <laughs> Cause what if you don't want to talk to him? Well, yeah. And also, if yeah. you haven't spoken to the guy in a year, what kind of relationship is that anyway? You know, yeah. I don't want to be the kind of guy that just knocks on the door and says, can I have £225 for hosting, please? You know, that's not, that's not the kind of business that we're, we've developed into. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we left, we left all of that kind of stuff behind. Yeah, we're mostly, there are some of those, like I was saying, a lot of our friends and family buying sites and, you know, you don't, you just don't change anything. Whatever they need, like most of the updates and older sites, we've sort of tried to turn over to some people we knew would take good care of them, some friends in town. But, uh, there's some that, you know, it's like as uh, busy as you think you are or as like whatever, as delusional you can get about how important you think your own time is. You, you know, somebody calls the first person, the second person, the third person that ever hired you to build a website. I still update their site. I log into this old FTP client. You know, we, we, we I don't want to change it. They don't need to change it. Actually, some of our best work was like the second site we ever built. It's still online. And, uh, they, you know, whatever they need. So yeah, it's, it's funny. But, uh, yeah, the, the less, less of that, the better. And I mean, and that doesn't even come into play when like your server has a problem, like that kind of stress. No, it you don't even like, want to go there. I mean, no. it's just, it's just not what I want to do anymore. Um, and we've tried to over the last few years anyway, simplify things to such an extent that I really just want to concentrate on design. You know, we've even left, some of the development stuff behind um, quite often, you know, we'll, we'll look at a job and think, you know, do we really want to be involved in this? If it's a more kind of technical build, um, mm-hmm. you know, because really, really, I want to just focus on what I know we can excel at, which is the design side of things. And yeah. the, the billing side of it and the scheduling side of it, we made this decision a few years ago now. Um, and I've talked about this before on the podcast where we schedule literally everything by the week. And I got the idea from and i forget where he's from now but there's a really good designer called jesse bennett chamberlain Mm -hmm. who we crossed paths oh a good few years ago on a project and the client that we were working with had worked with jesse and said would you mind working the same way and it was basically just to buy blocks of time and i Mm -hmm. thought this is revolutionary because we were still doing you know day rates at that point and you know you try to kind of figure things out and you try to estimate in in an inaccurate way but working on days was really quite hard for us and just simplifying things and thinking we we're going to sell you a block of time for a week like andy budd described that matched up really nicely this is before we even knew what agile was or knew what scrum was Mm -hmm. we would just say to a client you're going to buy us for a week and we're going to work on this bit of the website um, and that's worked out really nicely. The two things kind of, um, kind of fell into place because, you yeah. know, we're like you, we don't have, we don't have like, you know, an enormous team. We don't have people that are dedicated to all that kind of minutiae. 
Um, you know, we, we, we do most of the stuff ourselves. Um, who handles the day to day stuff in the business? I mean, who handles invoicing and chasing clients for money? If you've got to chase people for money. Uh, it's not, it's less of a problem now that we have like one or two clients. It's kind of nice that way, but, um, me, me usually, but at the same time, uh, like there's this chat window and the three of us are there and we know everything. And if, uh, if I have to write an email, you know, I'm thinking years back more likely than anything else, but if it's like a strongly worded, Hey, like, Hey, by the way, did you get that invoice type of thing? They're all like helping. Like we, we're, we're all very involved in each other's tasks. Um, you know, for us, the design, the web building process, whatever it is, the design development, what everything we do, it's all related to everything else. So even morale and like how the client perceives us. I mean, we're, we probably, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure certain people get like, you know, like as anybody, they got frustrated with us or we don't say the right or they misinterpret what is said. But, you know, the, our philosophy is like, well, if three people look at it and they think it's okay or it, it sends the right message or hits the right tone or all, you know, all these little details, we're all involved in that together. But, but the person usually hitting the send button, um, or, or sweating it is, is me. Though at the same time, it like knowing these guys for so long, if it gets to the point where like, we, we, you know, sometimes we have some rough months or, and, and maybe it's related to client work or just life. Like we're all having, kids and things happen and being so close with them like they take they've i've each i've seen each of them and for either for a variety of ways like i've sort of changed to be that that person like maybe i was always kind of like the person who's fine leading and having the buck stop and being responsible for x y and z but um you know i've seen them really quickly like adapt to fill those shoes without being asked or maybe I, like it was asked of them but they they know me and if i if i'm tired or frustrated even just for a week but sometimes i mean i mean there was like a good month one year where i was just super exhausted from all this kind of like organizational drama that with the client we were working with nothing like out of the ordinary nothing unreasonable even but i was just tired they step in and maybe that's the only thing that i hadn't i hadn't said yet that that i think for us it, it is possible because we are so small and it is related to how I watched my dad uh, work with these other two people and, and build their company. But we know everything. So we have they, – they have their own, like, organization and, like, their little – so they deal with their own taxes and stuff. So, like, I – like, but uh, there's a there's a Paravel bank account. And they know everything that goes in and, in it and out of it. Every penny is split equally we share every, you know we know everything about everything there are no like there's no, there is no like there are no secrets there is nothing that uh, they don't have access to and i have found like that early on like almost like they, like they could kind of empathize with the risks that that i was taking and that they were taking um, and now, like, it's, it's sort of gotten to this point where, like, the relationship and the morale behind Paravel, the dedication to, like, the, the other two members, it, it's enriched that in a way. So, like, I mean, we, we've, I guess I don't really know of anything specific, but, like, I could imagine that, like, probably somebody like Dave Reagan would have been a pro, like, hey, come, let me hire you away from Paravel. Like, what, 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 you know, maybe you should come work here or join this startup or whatever we'll pay you this or you can have like a you know you can hang out on this yacht i don't know whatever <laughs> and and i mean i don't know i don't and we don't that doesn't really come up i'm speculating on all of it but like i think though that like 
we're committed to each other. And every time we talk about good times or bad, when we celebrate or when we're stressed out and upset or whatever it is, it always comes back to that. It's like whatever's best for us. And like, I'll get a little sappy, but I mean, this is to me, why, why would you take the risk? And it isn't because it's more glamorous. It's because when your business partner, friend or employee, like coworker, whatever it is, uh, like when, when I had kids, the thing we do like during the day help make that possible. Like, yeah, you know, in no right. way do, do, do like I claim any kind of like enable, like I did not enable like Reagan or Dave to do, to, to do, live their lifestyle, or have their kids. But this thing that we have built and contributed together is this thing that has made a lot possible. And so sharing, being really transparent with each other and sharing that, like that, like that's, that's the, if there's anything I'm proud of, it's that. Like there, we've done, we've had, we've gotten some good jobs. We've had some good projects. Um, there's some work that maybe is still online that we're still proud of. Things change and move really quickly, but man, it's, 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 it's the business with, with those two guys. Well, you've so, built that, you know, you've, and you've built that relationship for, you know, a very long time. Yeah. We're, we're on year eight, I guess. I mean, I mean, and that's formally, you know, we like, that doesn't go back to iframe dream. We were <laughs> years where we were, we were working together in, in limited capacity, but yeah. I, I mean, that's the one thing, you know, you, you did like, the, you know, every time, I mean, there were, there were days where early on I would try to sort of like, Oh, art direct a project like Reagan's designing, but I had this idea because I talked to the client and like, I really think it should look like this. And I, and I, nothing he does, no matter how good it is, is something that I would recognize is, is awesome because it's not what I pictured. And so very, very poor leadership on my part, the, the early days. And we'd have these fights about that and they would leave and like one would be unreasonable or I was being unreasonable. I'd be like, man, I wonder if like, they're ne- they're they're gonna quit like over this or something like maybe they won't come back or maybe they've had it finally maybe they finally had it and we never we were never driving in that direction but it was like every time we had arguments or and I maybe made that one sound way more dramatic <laughs> than it was if you want to do a made for TV movie it should be that dramatic but anyways um but every time we would go through these it, you know like it goes back to them being invested and me being invested and transparent like every fight was almost like another deposit in the relationship account in a way. So like, it's almost like a GPA. The first you could fill out in school real quick. If you, if you have, if you don't have anything as a cushion, but the more you experiences you have and the more you get your grades up, it's like a less likely to just fall completely apart. And so, you know, eight years of arguing, it's like, well, it's pretty, you know, it is what it is. And we pretty much accept each, <laughs> each other for good and bad. Do you have, any kind of defined roles? I mean, you know, you talked about leadership earlier on. Is there somebody that sits down with a client and, uh, and negotiates? Um, is that you? I mean, yeah, you- it's normally me. They, they joke like, um, and they're not wrong. Like I'm a bit more of a talker. Uh, I'm probably the most introverted one though, but, uh, like I, I can, you know, I'm totally fine in those situations. Uh, but it goes back to, I go into those situations having had like a very extensive discussion with the, with the two about what we want to do. So and I've never come up and go, yeah, I had a meeting and this is what happened. It's like me reporting back and making sure they, like they know that I executed what we want, wanted or why it didn't happen or what they said or whatever. And, but normally more more often than not, it's the three of us like in a meeting together. So do you negotiate? I don't know. No, I, I mean, 
Uh, no, like, you know, if it's a job we want to do and like somebody's like, well, this is the, you know, if it's a budget thing and like we want to do it, we're malleable, but like, no, we think we're pretty confident about what we're, what we're worth and the value we bring. We work very hard to like, like we were just talking, stay on top of things. Um, so no, I mean, you know, we're, you know, if, if we weren't, if you're not, and that's something that I think comes with experience, like early on, I had no idea what we were worth and it was probably not much because we just hadn't done any of this before. So, and you know, our first website, it's like, we don't even know if we can finish. We've never finished anything. But, uh, I mean, the more you do it, the more you're like, well, this is what it costs. And this is, I mean, you know, you, you, you see things run over and maybe some things run short or some things go good and go bad. You know, there is a bit of like reliability and like expertise you bring. So yeah, no, I don't really negotiate. Uh, you stick to the right. Oh yeah. And I mean, we're, yeah, like it's, it's, I, I usually I'll say rate, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about our rates in the first email or two. Like we're, 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 we're busy guys and we're not, we don't, we definitely aren't the type that's like, well, what do we think we could get out of somebody? I mean, we, uh, we know what we're comfortable with and we, we sort of, you know, we're comfortable with ourselves as designers and developers or whatever. And, and so, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is what it is. So, um, and, and, and we're very, very, transparent like we we communicate if we have anything we're worried about we everything you know we try to we we almost probably over communicate if like you know we're working working in the continue continue working with a client here soon i think and like we were like is there anything that we haven't done well and they're like no no, no things are good we're, we're going to keep going this is great and then like three meet like three more times in different meetings i've been like really can i like can you like maybe ask somebody else like tell me what's like, is there anything we've done that if we've been too abrasive, if we pushed something too hard or not hard enough? So yeah, we we're very big on like fostering those relationships. And so I think the farther you get with these clients, I mean, it's like, you know, uh, that the, the, you know, it just becomes kind of a non-issue. I need to make more of an effort at that. Actually, um, I need to do the thing where you know you sit down with someone and say how can we improve this? It's not something that I do often enough. Something I need mm-hmm. to improve on this, this coming year, I think. We've lucked out because uh, some of the clients we've had have been local. They're like based in Austin. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see them more. And um, I mean, yeah, like that, that, like, as I was saying earlier is the deliverables have expanded to more of like a full service, holistic kind of a situation where you're working with an organization and like doing, I mean, all this stuff, it's like, that's the design process. Yeah. Like right. having a meeting and knowing to pick like a battle or not or whatever, like this is all design now. It's very, and I mean, some days I, t- I mean, I'm still very like fuzzy on it. Like, what am I, like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I used to, I used to just, you build the sites and you deliver the sites and they're done. You know, that was complicated enough, but now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's business. It's, uh, product design it's i mean it's employees and morale and all these things we're kind of finding ourselves in the middle on and i mean you know we, we're not like professional businessing people i mean we, we're, we're having to become that for very sure. few people are though i mean i think that's one of the things that is so interesting about this whole area is that you, know, you can be a great designer or developer but that doesn't mean to say that you're going to be comfortable and natural doing this kind of businessy things yeah. And luckily I think I was born maybe as like a B plus on that. 
Um, and that, but, but, oh gosh, with these clients we have, we'll be in these meetings and there's this like, there's a person like leading a meeting, like a, like a, some sort of a manager. And you're like, why are they, how'd they get there? And then they, they lead this meeting and you're like, oh my God, like no one, I mean, almost like reinforces that maybe I'm not even a B plus, that maybe I'm like a C plus. Like the, like it's, these people are so good at listening and like, interpreting and uh understanding what why people are saying what they're saying and all these things it's miraculous to me so yeah now the reason i ask about negotiation earlier on was that obviously you've been doing quite a lot of work with large companies you know people like microsoft and Mm -hmm. we work with sap in germany and they've started to use a procurement company for all of their buying now Um, and the procurement company are really really aggressive on price and on payment terms so you just know that you're going to get squeezed at both ends and there's no room for maneuver because obviously you you can say to a you can say to where you know a client okay, the project's going to be 10,000 euros, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And the client will agree that you know, they're going to hire you for the job. And the next thing that happens is that you get an email from the procurement company saying, we'll give you eight. And, See, you, go, yeah, and you go, oh, that's terrible. what am I supposed to do in that kind of situation? Uh, we, have, we, have, we, haven't, we haven't dealt with that. But we, there have been situations where, like, large company has to pay a different way and stuff. And, like, I think that's probably, like, one tier away from being, like, what, that's what I would call being chiseled. Like, do they, so do they want the cheapest? Uh, I mean, and maybe that's where we're headed as sites get larger. My dad's business was in, uh, turnarounds and they basically, like, it was like they repaired, um, power plants and refineries. Like, they, so, People like at a big company like Shell would take bids and they'd procure, you know, to talent or just, you know, labor to, 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 to weld and repair and bring cranes and do all this very heavy duty stuff. And you would hear these stories. And, uh, I, you know, maybe that's where that's how life is. Like you, everybody's, try, you know, their their job is to save the other company money. So <laughs> like that's 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 how it is. But at the same time, you know, they that this influenced how we run Paravel, but, but the, the lesson from them was always, well, we, we still thought value was important. We wanted to be the most reliable, quite quality version of that, even if they were going to chisel, because when it needed, we wanted to work for people who wanted it done right. And so, I mean, I would just bark, not that I'm, not that I'm like good at advice or t- telling you what to do, but I would just bark as far up that ladder as possible and be like, okay, so like, just so you know, like, this yeah, is how this well, looks to web designers. Like, or, or this is how this looks to anybody who does a job that cares about, like, you know, do you want to get sold down the river? To, I mean, any, I could sell you anything for any amount of money, you know, but I mean, yeah, to be chiseled, it's, that sucks. And so, yeah, I, I definitely, you, you asked about negotiations. I had said what I said, but at the same time, I wouldn't know how to handle that. I would, I probably wouldn't want to. I'd be like, well, if you want us to work? I mean, that's a bluff or whatever, but it, like my first knee jerk, which is usually just what comes out of my mouth, but it's like, if you want us to work with you, we can't, like, we can't necessarily do that. Like, if, 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 if this is about chiseling, then. Well, it comes back. Chisel someone else. It, I think we should talk about stone because it comes back to something that Andy Budd was saying on Jeffrey's podcast this week, which is a lot of large organizations and particularly government organizations or museums or universities or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. they, they think about buying creative services in the same way that they think about buying cleaning services or they think about, uh, I think, he, I think Andy actually said a ton of gravel. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's perfect. And we we have we have um, removed ourselves like from the bidding process of like government, like from a university uh, that we were very excited about uh, because it was too comp. It was just too complicated. Like we 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 the first step was that uh, the person who was going to run the project called us and like you know. Or, or maybe it's like one radius over. Maybe there's a rule because we never heard from him again. But he was like, "We really, you're you guys. We want you to do this." Blah blah blah. So we were going to bid, and we we realized it was too much for us. Like this 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 document and this whole process would have taken. We would have had to hire somebody full time to do it for like a month. And uh, what we re- there was another company in town that we really respect and sort of would have been a really good match for us. They were a little more development engineering heavy, and we we're a little more design heavy. And so, uh, and we had friendship kind of relationships with them. And and we were with them. So then we're working on a contract together. And there were like twenty people th- there, so they could kind of handle more of the uh, administration type stuff. And yeah. we get these things occasionally. You know, you get something through from, let's say, a museum. And he mm-hmm. thinks, you know what? I would really, really love to work on that. You know, I could, I can see myself really adding value to a project like that. But the actual documentation that you have to write or even read, you know, some of mm-hmm. the, some, particularly for, for government organizations, the, the, the quantity of, of information that you have to do something with, whether you're reading it or writing it or whatever, you just think this would take me a week to do. And, you know, we, we don't have the, the people in house that all the time, um, yeah. to, to, be, to be dealing with that kind of thing. So we do a similar thing. We'll, we'll back away gracefully from some of those, uh, some of those, uh, type of things. <laughs> we, <laughs> we may not have been perfectly gracefully because I remember writing an email just saying, like, we can't do this and, um, like, neither can the other company. Uh, and that other, like, the other one was, the, the, like because they were so large that we were like that this they would they them plus us would have been great but uh it was like if you they didn't hire them and it was like that this should just in my own because it was talking about another company it was like and from my perception it looks like um your process is not going to get you the 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 best you know service provider so anyways i want to change everything mike montero famously has his lawyer check everything every contract that he sends and he signs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we found somebody, uh, and it's kind of changed over the years. You can like, we've, we've maybe had two or three, but, uh, we have somebody out in El Paso, Texas who, uh, looks at, looks at everything and there's not that many. Um, so it, 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 it does get easier. I imagine if we had to do like one a month or something, it'd be a little bit laborious, but, uh, you know, we have one every six months to 12 months. That's new. If it's a renewal, maybe we haven't like, you know, it's just like that they've, it, they've changed the years and we've probably signed and agreed to like the master services agreement. So we're sort of operating within a larger document, but yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, you know, we've been burnt a couple of times early on for nothing too significant, no big deal, but, uh, the actually probably more than the money, you just feel really angry and upset and stupid probably. So yeah, we have a lawyer look at everything. Yeah. We don't do that for regular website builds. Mm-hmm. I think if there was, if there's something which is, uh, you know, like a, a nice, big chunky long-term project then it's really really important to uh just to have that checked over because i was actually it's 24 ways is running at the moment this being december mm-hmm. and yeah. i just can't believe that it's been six years since i open sourced my contract killer 
Six? Six years. I know. Oh. I think it's coming, coming up for a bit of a, a redo, to be honest. I need to maybe mm-hmm. take a bit of a look at it. But, um, I mean, contracts are so important. So important. Yeah. And I still, I'm still staggered, uh, every year when somebody like Cole Henley does his kind of freelance survey, just at the amount of people that don't get clients to sign a contract when they start working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, just sort of like a good accountant and a good lawyer, I mean, I don't know, you get to a point where you really probably just, shouldn't, I don't know, you want you want to sleep better at night. Like there's maybe those things that people say about, you know, an accountant and a lawyer, they'll pay for themselves. And that's probably true. I'm not arguing with that. But I mean, you know, our accountant, it's not like I, my accountant that I have, he's not like this guy who's just like, Oh, I'll save you so much money. He's the guy that if you get audited, he's, he like gets excited. He's like, yeah, 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 fine. Like I haven't been audited, but like I, I, he, I, he, uh, he's also an accountant for somebody who has been. And there's this story where he was like, sure, sure, sure. Have, you know, and he flies out and he has these two boxes and he's there for like 45 minutes and he leaves with this gigantic smile on his face. So, you know, it's, it's somebody, it isn't somebody that like tries to, do anything dramatic, but it's just like they keep everything very straightforward. You know, like I'm not trying to scam any money off the government, but I also don't want to be like taken advantage of and over overpay or do anything stupid. I, I want to know exactly what's going on, and that's the same with clients. I don't want I don't want to uh, like take advantage of them and get paid more. I, I want everything to be fair and like accounting. You know, ta- paying taxes and contracts. They add a layer of fuzziness, and you need somebody to to delete that layer. Um, well, let me say, contracts can add fuzziness, but like lack of contracts can add triple that, you know, and uh, like really sleepless nights. So you need all these agreements need to be perfectly clear so that you can focus on your job. Um, you know, it's like I was I had somebody try to help me like hang uh, my TV in my house and do some AV work with like a different like. I wanted to use different speakers and it took me hours and I was so pissed off and I wasn't hanging out with my family and I'm like bleeding because I've hit my head and my arm and all this crap should have just paid somebody so I could focus on the thing I'm supposed to be We're building websites and hanging out. So I'm way beyond that now. <laughs> I was yeah. like, if there's a guy to pay, I'm going to pay him. Yeah. Well, it'll be done right. And, and I mean, again, if, you know, TV is not, not that big of a deal. Freaking your whole business and like whether or not you get paid that month uh, is big deal, big big deal. So why are, you know maybe that's the way I look at it. It's like why are you going to do it if at all if you're not going to do it right? And uh, that's from like coding something up, but it's also like make sure you're covered. So yeah, get a lawyer. Well, I love my accountant because he's just told me that I can buy a 5K iMac. So, what, see, he, mine's he, never done that. He's I'm all, like, I, I, Father I, Christmas, I, this guy. Yeah, no, I was, I forgot what I was trying. He, he emailed me back one day. He's like, I'm not going to, if you want somebody to talk you into, uh, buying something, call your best friend, not me. And I was just <laughs> rolling on the floor. I think mine might have been a little more ridiculous or, or far fetched. Uh, the computer is clearly a business expense. So maybe it was like a cotton candy machine or fajita meat. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's not, a, it's not an extravagance. I think that I actually really do need it, but we should wrap it up. Sure. We could just keep talking all this evening. Could be like a, we could do a Guinness Book of World Records podcast next time and do a 24-hour thing. Well, I maybe agree. we can pick this up another day. Sure, sure. So where can people find you if they don't already know? I mean, people do. They know. 
You're Trent Walton. They know where to find you. Oh, yeah. I'm at Trent Walton on everything that I can think of. You know, no underscores. Just my name, Twitter and Dribble, uh, Instagram. What other things are there? Oh, that's probably all there is. Fine, maybe. Anyways, yeah, at Trent Walton. That's it. And then the company is Paravel, and it's Paravel Inc., P-A-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-C.com. Go check that and out. And if you think you're at the wrong place because you see three an illustration of three guys on horses, oh, you're right at the right place. We actually do build websites. so I do love that illustration. Thanks so much for taking the time to natter with me for a couple of hours. <laughs> I don't know what natter is, but I've had a good time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, I'm going to teach you lots of British words. What have we had? Natter, um, donkey's years, as my old nanny used to say. Uh, we should kickstart flashcards. Watcher. All right. Yeah. Next time you come to the UK, we'll make a concerted effort to send you home with some English slang. I don't, yeah, I want to learn. You have to also teach me how to pull it off because I've tried to say <laughs> chuffed. It's like, hi, I'm chuffed. It doesn't work. I'm really chuffed. I can't believe you just said pull it off. Anyway. Oh, is that? Oh, shit. Oh, oh dear. I just had this nightmare. I'll be speaking over there and I'll say something and everyone will start laughing and I'll realize, oh, wait, if you think about that word, that phrase a little bit harder, it, ooh, I messed up. Or just let it ride. It keeps life in- interesting. Thanks, mate. And uh, have a lovely Christmas. Love to you and the family. Ditto. You do the same. And thanks very much. To ask questions and suggest topics, you can message this show on Twitter at unfinishedbz or email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. There were Mac Rabbits, Espresso and Perch. You can support our show by supporting them. And next week, next week is episode 100. <laughs>